Well, today I want to talk to you about heaven. You know, you don't hear much talked about heaven these days unless it's a funeral. But I want to talk about heaven today. And I want to start by reading what Jesus said in John chapter number 14. Let's, let's look in John uh, chapter number 14. Let's read verses number 2 and 3 this morning. Jesus speaking here, and he says, he says, In my Father's house, how many know his Father's house is heaven, right? In my Father's house are many mansions. Some uh, a translation says rooms. In my Father's house are many mansions or many rooms. If it were not so, Jesus said, I would have told you. And Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. And Jesus said, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am there you may be also. Now, according to Jesus, heaven is a literal place. Jesus said, I go to prepare a, a place for you. So heaven is a prepared place for a prepared people. Yeah, heaven is not just some mystical fairy tale, pie in the sky, make-believe place. Heaven is real. How many believe that? Heaven is real. Heaven is tangible. Heaven is a literal place. Here's what we don't think about sometimes, and that is that heaven is going to be heaven not only for what it will have, but also for what it will not have. Yeah, it will have indescribable beauty. It will, it will provide perfect peace. It will include a, a glorious reunion with, with, with family and, and friends, and the list could go on and on and on of what heaven will have. But equal to this is a list of what heaven won't have. Let me just read from Scripture just a few of the things that heaven will not have. Revelation chapter 21 and verse number 4 says that God is going to wipe away every tear from their eyes. Isn't that going to be a glorious time? And there will be no more death. No more sorrow. No more crying. There will be no more pain for the former things have passed away. And then Revelation chapter 22 and verse number 15 says, but outside, outside the city, outside of New Jerusalem, outside of heaven, outside are dogs and sorcerers and sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and whoever loves and practices a lie. Heaven will be wonderful for what heaven has, but it will also be wonderful for what heaven does not allow. Amen. Yeah, heaven will include every single thing that is good, but not one single thing that is bad. Who wouldn't want to go to a place like that? Well, there's two things that I want to talk about today as we investigate and look at this subject of heaven. The first is how we can get to heaven, and the second is how we can get heaven to come here. Now, I hope point two will pique your interest so you'll hang with me till I get there, all right? But let's look at point number one this morning, and that is I want to talk about how we can get to heaven. I want to talk about three things here. First of all, if we're going to get to heaven, we're going to have to ignore the myths. 
Yeah, in order to make it to heaven, you're going to have to ignore the myths. See, see, when it comes to the subject of how we get to heaven, most people are myth-taken. The myths say that all, all good people go to heaven. That's a myth. All good people go to heaven. You know, just be a good person. Don't do anything too bad. And hey, heaven will be yours. Or another one is, you know, just go to church. Just go to church. If you just go to church and be a church person, go to church. Maybe get a, give a little bit of money. Maybe do some good works. And voila, you're in. Or how about this one? Just say the sinner's prayer. Just say the sinner's prayer. You didn't really mean it. You didn't allow Jesus to change you. You didn't actually make a commitment to him. But because because you repeated a prayer, the magical sinner's prayer, then all oh, oh, heaven is yours. But the, these and many others are myths. Listen to what Jesus said uh, in Matthew uh, Matthew chapter, uh, where is Matthew chapter 7 and verses 21 through 23. Matthew, I marked it and can't even find it. Matthew chapter 7 verses 21 through 23. Jesus said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord. Not everyone who says the sinner's prayer, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Jesus said, many are going to say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Have we not cast out demons in your name? Have we not done many wonders in your name? And Jesus said, then I'm going to declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Hear me this morning, friends. Myths won't get you into heaven. They will keep you out. Second thing that we're going to have to do if we're going to get to heaven is we're going to have to embrace the message. Embrace the message. The message of salvation is clear. The message of of how we get to heaven is clear. Let let, let me read some some scripture to you. John 3, 16, the golden text of the Bible. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and his only son that whoever would believe upon him would not have to perish but would enjoy everlasting life. How about Romans chapter 3 and verse 23? All have sinned and all have fallen short of God's glorious standard. How about Romans chapter 6 and verse 23? For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. How about Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 8? For by grace are you saved through faith, not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, so no one can boast. Pastor, how do we get to heaven? By believing and placing our faith in the message. Amen? The message. What is the message? The message is that everyone is a sinner. All have sinned. The message is that that everyone is a sinner, and because everyone is a sinner, everyone is in need of a Savior. What is the message? The message is that man's sin must be punished. 
What is the message? The message is that Jesus took the punishment for the sin of man when he died on the cross. Oh, what is the message? The message is that in order for man to be saved and for man to go to heaven, man must place his faith in God's grace, grace that was culminated on the cross. Pastor, how can we get to heaven? Well, thanks for asking. The answer is we're going to have to ignore the myths and we're going to have to embrace the message. And the third thing we're going to have to do if we make it to heaven is we're going to have to understand the mandate. Understand the mandate. What is the mandate? The mandate is that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. Jesus said in John 14 and 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And he said, no one gets to the Father. Where's the Father? He's in heaven. Jesus said, no one gets to the Father or no one makes it into heaven unless they come through me. I want you to notice that Jesus didn't say, hey, I am one way. There are many ways. Oh, take your pick. No, no, no. Jesus didn't say, hey, I'm a road to heaven, but there are many roads to heaven. Take one of those roads and you'll make it to heaven. No, no, no. Jesus said, Jesus said, I'm the only way people are going to make it to heaven. See, there's only way to heaven and Jesus is the way. There's only one road that leads to heaven, and that road was paved, oh, by the sinless blood of Jesus Christ. Acts chapter 4 and verse number 12 says, there is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. Hey, listen to me this morning. The phrase, my way or the highway, that phrase was originated from God himself. And why is it this way? Why is it his way or no way? The reason is because Jesus is the only one who has the power to save. Why is it his way or the highway? Because Jesus is the only one who is worthy to be a savior. Now, you might think, man, God is very narrow-minded, but actually the opposite is actually true because Jesus has made salvation in heaven possible for everyone. For everyone. His arms are open wide to everybody. The door of heaven is open to everyone. But Jesus is the door. He's the only door that will get us in. How can we get to heaven? We're going to have to ignore the myths. We're going to have to embrace the message. And we're going to have to understand the mandate. All right, we've talked just a little bit about how we can get to heaven. Now I want to talk a little bit about how we can get heaven to come here. I'm as interested in that. How do we get heaven To come here. How many of you would like access to some of heaven's resources in the here and the now? In Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13, we find recorded what is is often referred to as the Lord's Prayer. It's not the Lord's Prayer. It's actually the disciples' prayer. And it's actually not even a prayer at all, but rather it is a pattern for prayer. It's Jesus teaching us a pattern on how we should pray. 
And so Jesus, in his teaching on the, uh, there in those, in those verses, Jesus was teaching his disciples, and he's also teaching us how to pray or what prayer should include. And if you will dissect this prayer or dissect the words of Jesus here, you will see that, that, that when we pray, our prayer should include four things. It should include praise. It should include petition. It should include penitence. And it should include protection. Jesus thought that in our extended prayer time, when, you know, you know, if you're going off a cliff, you don't have time. You know what I'm saying? Just say, Jesus. <laughs> but when your extended prayer time, when you are having your alone time and your devotion and, and your one-on-one with the Lord, Jesus thought that in our extended prayer time, we should include four things. We should include a time of praise. In fact, we should begin with praise. And then after a time of praise, then we move from praise, then we move into petition or, or, or asking God for the things that we need and the things that we, that we want. And then after we're through with that, then we should then move into penitence. That's just another word for repentance. And then we should pray for protection. If you'll read the verses, you'll see all four of those things there, and they are the pattern that Jesus gave for us to pray. But I want us to notice verse 9 and 10, where it says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. It says, Your kingdom come. Notice this, notice this, notice this. Jesus said, You're to pray, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Wait, what? What? Pray, pray, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Yeah, Jesus said for us to pray that God's will in heaven will be done on earth. Sounds to me like we get a little bit of heaven to come here. Some of what is in heaven is available to us here. Pastor, how do we get heaven to come here? Well, let me suggest three ways this morning. First of all, you're going to get heaven to come here when you invite God into your situation. How do we get heaven to come here? Invite the Lord into our situation. See, see, God doesn't just want to save us. He wants to share our life. He wants to share every single part of what's going on in our life. And, and he wants to help us with our life. He doesn't just want to save us. He doesn't just want to keep us out of hell. He doesn't just want to, want to give us eternity in the sweet by and by, but, but he wants to help us with our life in the here and now. And he's just waiting for an invitation. I love what the psalmist wrote in Psalm 57, uh, verses 2 and 3. He, he, he says, I cry out to God. He says, I cry out to God, to the God who will fulfill his purpose for me. And I love this next sentence. He will send me help from heaven. No big deal. It sounds like to you guys, that's a big deal to me. The psalmist says, I can, I can cry out to God. I, I can invite God into my situation. And he said, he will, he will send me help from heaven. 
And the psalmist wrote in Psalm 105, verse 40, he says, they, they asked me for meat. God said, they asked me for meat. And so I sent them quail. And God said, I satisfied their hunger with manna. Notice this, bread from heaven. And Luke chapter 22, verses 39 through 43, here, here it says that Jesus was facing the greatest battle of his life. He was facing the cup of Gethsemane. I believe in the cup of Gethsemane was all of the sin of mankind that would be poured on Jesus on the cross. I believe it was the greatest hours of agony of his life. And here Jesus is facing the greatest battle of his life, the cup of Gethsemane. And the Bible says for three hours he petitioned heaven. For three hours Jesus agonized in, in prayer and he poured out his soul to God. And what did God do for Jesus? Oh, verse 43, verse 43 says, then an angel from heaven <laughs> an angel from heaven appeared and strengthened him god sent him help from heaven how can we get heaven to come here simply invite god into our situation friend heaven can help us Heaven has resources that we do not have. Oh, oh! I wonder, I wonder how many needs go unmet because we do not knock on the door of heaven and invite God into our situation. Well, let me suggest another way that we can get heaven to come here, and that is we can get heaven to come here if we invest in God's kingdom. Invest in God's kingdom. Let me read from the book of Malachi, or one pastor said Malachi. The book of Malachi, chapter 3, verse 10 through 12. The Bible says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it and I will rebuke the devourer for your sake so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the, in the field says the Lord of hosts and all nations will call you blessed for you will be a delightful land says the Lord of, of hosts. Now, anytime a preacher preaches on or teaches on tithing, they open themselves up for criticism. So I'm ready for it, okay? You know, some people get defensive, get argumentative, and even angry. And, uh, you know, the only time anyone has left the church angry at me has been over this subject of tithing. Lost a few families along the way because they didn't like it that I preached on tithing. I'm going to preach the word. Hello? Here's what's interesting. I have never been criticized for this subject by somebody who actually practiced it consistently. The people that get angry are the people that are non-tithers. The ones that get angry. I've never had anybody angry at me or, or call me names or send me bad uh, texts or emails or talk to me uh, about me. That was, a, that was a consistent tither. 
But I also want to say this. Please, please hear me this morning. I am, and I haven't always done this, but, but, but I, I, I am preaching tithing today as a principle. I'm not preaching it as a law. I'm not preaching it as a rule. I'm preaching it as a principle. Now, personally, I personally believe that tithing is still in effect. That it's not just an Old Testament law. See, tithing, tithing was practiced before the law was even given. It was practiced during the law, and it was practiced after the law. And nowhere in the New Testament will you find that tithing has been rescinded. So I still believe that it is in effect. But whatever your theological view on tithing is, it is still a principle. And the principle works like this. God promises provision, protection, and even prosperity. To tithers. We just read about it in Malachi chapter 3, verse 10 through 12. I'm not going to go back over those again, but if you'll read those again, you'll see God's promise of provision, protection, even prosperity. The windows of heaven pouring out over your life. I don't know about you, but I'm going to sign up for that. I said, I don't know about you, but I'm going to sign up for that. In fact, I did sign up for that over 60 years ago when I was just a little bitty boy, and I have never wavered from it. From the day I got my first dollar allowance, I took out 15 cents, I think it was. And I gave it to my dad, who was my pastor. And I said, Dad, here's a dime and here's a nickel. This is tithe and this is offering. I was just a little boy. First allowance. My dad said, you don't pay them to me, son. You give them to the church. I said, yeah, but I might spend it between now and then, which I would never spend it, of course. Can you keep it for me, Daddy, and give it to me on Sunday morning that I can put it? Listen, I've been practicing this for over 60 years, and I can personally testify that it is the best insurance policy I have ever purchased. How can we get heaven to come here? How can we access some of heaven's resources? Malachi 3 says, the windows of heaven are open over tithers. Now, if you'll actually read the Bible, you will see that tithing is actually the minimum. You read that Old Testament, they had 1,500 offerings they were required to give. Hello? Listen, I was thinking about this this week. Have you ever thought about how, oh, I don't know if I need to use this word or not, but I guess I will. Have you ever thought about how selfish it is to complain about tithing? Have you ever considered how small of an ask tithing really is? Come on. Only 10%? That's what tithe means. It means a tenth part or in our vernacular, 10%. Only 10%? God only asks for $1? Out of 10? I mean, I got... I got all this. And God says, will you, will you give me one of them? <laughs> and I'm going to whine and complain and get mad and leave the church. And, and God just says, first of all, I gave you that. The earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof. It all belongs to God. It's all his. And God says, hey, out of 10 bucks, would you just, would you give me one? I mean, 
I mean, think about it. Think about it. Look at all this. Look at all this. Man, I can't, I'm going to drop it. If I, look at all this. That's my, God gives that to me. And out of all of this, God says, hey, can I have this? Hello? And, and, and you know, the, the Bible says here in Malachi 3 and, and, and verse 8 through 10, it says, bring, bring it. Why does it use the word bring it? Because God gave it. He gave it. And he says, hey, hey, here's what I've given to you. Will you bring back to me just a little bit, just a, just a little bit, just a tiny bit of what I have have already given you. Hey, does God need our money? He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He, he, the earth is the Lord's. He, it's all his. He doesn't, he, he doesn't, but he knows that how we spend or invest our money reveals how, uh, where our heart is and what we truly value. Jesus said where your treasure is, he says there your heart will be also. See, see what you are willing to invest your money in reveals what you truly value. See, nobody complains about spending or investing money in the things they truly love and value. And here's something else we need to remember, and that is we only invest our money in what we are into. I'm into golf, and so I'll spend 40 bucks to go spend four hours uh, on the golf course because I'm into it. Sean will go with me if I pay the way. But he's really not into it. He likes to come hang out with me. He likes to come and hang out with my son. He likes to go, but he doesn't like it enough to pay. Why? He's not really into it. But hear me now. Now listen, listen, I'm going to get it. I'm going to get back in his good graces. But he is into bikes. He's into biking. And he'll spend $1,000 if he had it. Amen. He would. Now, Chris is nowhere around, so she's not hearing this. He's in. Listen, I'm, how many know what I'm talking about? We'll end that. And he only does that one time to get the bike, right? Okay. And then after that. But he's always into doing something about that bike because he's into it. Whatever we are into is what we're willing to put our money into. I'm asking you this morning, are you into God? Are you into his house? Are you into him? Because what we are into, we are willing to uh, invest in what we're into. Amen. Amen. Sounds like I'm okay. I'll be all right. (laughs) Amen. Yeah, here's what I know. That is people who invest in God's kingdom can expect a bit of heaven to come here. I, I don't know about you this morning, but I choose to believe this. God said the windows of heaven will be open to tithers. All right, one last thing that, I, uh, that we can do to get heaven to come here, and that is we can involve ourselves in God's work. Involve ourselves in God's word. In Matthew 3, verses 13 through 17, it talks about the baptism of Jesus. We understand that Jesus would begin his earthly ministry immediately after his baptism. And verse 16 says, when Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were opened to him. 
Spirit of God descended upon him. See, Jesus was sent to earth on assignment from God the Father. And upon his obedience to his assignment, Jesus all of a sudden had the help of heaven. John 1 51 says heaven is open to the son of God and angels are ascending and descending upon him. How do we get heaven to come here? Involve ourselves in God's work. Listen, friend, I'm not standing up here all by myself this morning. I'm not standing up here alone today. I have help from heaven with me this morning. First of all, I have the Holy Spirit anointing me. But I want to tell you, not only do I have the Holy Spirit anointing me, but on several occasions, not once, not twice, not three times, but on several occasions, I have had parents to tell me their children told them, mama, 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 there are angels, there are angels over over the head of pastor while he is preaching. It's happened many, many times. I'm telling you, I'm not here today by myself. I'm not standing up here today by myself. I've got help from heaven today. I've got the help of the Holy Spirit. And I believe there are ministering angels that are here today as well. Listen, how many want some help from heaven this morning? In John 14, Jesus told his disciples that one day he would go away. But Jesus said that if he went away, he's going to go back to heaven. But when he went to heaven, he was not going to leave us alone. But Jesus would send, send help from heaven. He would send the Holy Spirit. And through this help from heaven, oh, we can even, Jesus said, do even greater works than he did. How many need some help from heaven this morning? Hallelujah. Well, how can we get heaven to come here? Well, we can involve ourselves in God's word. I, work. I promise you, you're not in the work alone. You will have help from heaven. The takeaway for the message today is simply this. We don't have to wait until we get to heaven to enjoy some of its resources. We can get help from heaven. We can get heaven to come here. Amen. Father, I thank you for your incredible, infallible, life-changing word. God, I pray that your word, Lord, will do what it was intended to do in this house today. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.